Welcome to Running Is Bullshit. I'm Stuart. And I'm Amy, and you're listening to the podcast that loves to hate running. In the now traditional, let's complain about something right off the bat segment. I've got a random I've got another random nutrition thing for me this week. It's just that like shit reflex sub joke slash comment that everyone has to make about bananas and potassium. It's the same as in Britain. If you mention any two people's surnames, someone will say, oh, sounds like a solicitor's. <laughs> or a funeral director's. Genders and Harding. Oh, genders and Harding solicitor's. <laughs> everyone in Britain will do that joke and it drives me fucking mad. Same with bananas and potassium, right? Someone eats two or three bananas and people will be like, oh, you're getting your potassium. Oh, watch out, you don't overdose on potassium. And it's literally like the one thing that anyone knows about bananas nutritionally. Um, and I'll bet the majority of those people don't know what potassium is and or why you need it or where else you actually get it from. I've consulted Dr. Google again, so I'm an expert now, and I can tell you some shit about potassium. Okay, first of all, a banana is 9% of your recommended daily allowance. So actually, it's a shit place to get your potassium from. You would need to eat 10 just to get the bare amount of potassium that you need to have in your diet every day. A medium baked potato with its skin has more than double of a banana. So, and I bet you won't hear anyone mentioning that when you tuck it into your cheese and beans, which is, by the way, a top tier topping with no challenges. Things that have more potassium include a standard servings of leafy greens, beans, yogurt, tomatoes, beetroot, salmon, avocados, mushrooms, and loads more things. So please stop it with the banana potassium bullshit. I wonder where this all came from, you know, the whole banana and potassium things. Like you said, there's lots of things that also have a lot more potassium in, so... It's like if you eat a load of apples, no one's saying, oh, that's got a load of vitamin C or, or, you know, whatever it is, or some kind of other mineral. No one says about any other food or any other kind of mineral. It's Mm. just that one. I wonder if it's some sort of propaganda, like the whole carrots and eyesight thing. Um, Uh, Could be. uh, I will say, like, on the subject of bananas, I hate those races that offer bananas at the end. And they're so, like underripe they're still pretty much green like no thanks and people who eat green bananas you're mad like unless a banana has black spots on it i don't want to eat it it's not going to be sweet it's going to be like bitter and like rubbery like who wants that yeah i understand it must be pretty tricky to buy like ten thousand bananas and have them all being right no bother but just take it home don't eat yeah. yeah don't eat it take it home that's what i used to do in the race i take the banana like a nice big banana home <laughs> And then I just leave it to ripen because you can't eat that. For days, days. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I get it. I get why they do it, but just I, just don't bother. Like, don't bother. I've always used um, an unripe banana as my standard measurement of disappointment. Mm. You like, you know, when you go to, you think a banana, oh, it's probably going to be okay. And it just, when you open it up, it just kind of snaps and you're like, oh no. Mm. And you know it's going to be shit. And when you bite into it, you get that weird stickiness on your teeth. Mm. And you just know you have to eat the whole banana then. Yeah. But it's going to be shit. Yeah. I remember once I was in co-op and I really fancied some bananas. And normally they were really underripe. <laughs> and you know how sometimes you buy fruit and it's underripe and it doesn't, doesn't actually ripen up. It just goes all horrible. Anyway, I found these perfect bananas. They had the perfect amount of black spots on. Amazing. I was like, right, I can eat those straight away. I took it to the counter and she's like, oh, it's a day out of date. So I can't sell it to you. And I'm like, what? I said, these bananas are perfect. She's like, no, it's sorry. banana. Yeah. She's like, no, sorry. If, if, maybe they can't do this, but I just give it give it away for free then, you know? I'm sure they're going to eat them or whatever. Just but reduce like, it. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's a day out of date, so technically they can't sell it. And I was like, come on, these bananas are in prime condition. 
I believe this is why uh, I don't think Fruit and Veg has dates on it. It doesn't have best before dates on it anymore, which is yeah. a good thing yeah. for that kind of bullshit. It's probably this was used as a case study, I imagine. Yeah, this, this very instant in co-op was probably... Like, yeah, you know what? Thinking about it now, they don't usually have a... It was probably a best before date rather than a sell-by date, in which yeah. case, was she just making it up because she knew those bananas were, were good and she wanted them? She wanted those bananas. Yeah, exactly. I bet that's what it is. She needed some potassium, probably. Those tricksy co-op workers. Oh, some top banana chat, top of this episode. <laughs> Amazing work. Uh, let us catch up on the last episode. Uh, at Bryn Holmes said, listen in the car with my wife. Uh, she's not uh, running as BS regular. When the pre-race flat lay was mentioned, she asked, is that when you do a big poo before a run? Not quite, but I think she's understood the tone of the pod. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I always wonder about that when people say I was listening to this podcast or any other podcast with someone else in the car and they don't listen. I'm like, I I just think that's kind of rude. <laughs> Here's a podcast that I like that you won't like. Yeah, especially. That, but we're both. But I'm going to make you listen. Especially to it. when it's about a very specific interest. Like, sure, if you're listening to like a true crime podcast or something like more generalised uh, that no, everyone ugh. might like. But if like you're listening to someone who's not really that into running or whatever, and you're like, right, sit and listen to this very sort of esoteric topic with these me. two nobodies swearing about running yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. a subject that you don't care about yeah. in a shit way and like jokes that you're not gonna get because you don't because a they're not funny and b you don't run <laughs> yeah because we, we made a shit joke about this three years ago and we're still repeating it yeah <laughs> oh your poor wife gabby naya messaged in and said a bowl of pasta the night before a race is not carb loading that's dinner which is what Stuart said last episode. He said, I laughed, oh, yeah. I laughed so much, I got hiccups and got death stared by a squirrel. <laughs> awesome work, Stuart. Keep calling out the BS. Death stared by a squirrel. Uh, and I find that quite impossible, really. They always look quite cute and quite innocent, don't they? I think if they stare at you, it's more because they're just terrified. Yeah. Rather than, like, threatening you with death. Yeah. But these things happen to Gabby, so mm. <laughs> she's just one of those people that things happen to. Mm-hmm. At Matty Hike said, had a proper lol to Stu missing out on the club photo. I'm glad you did. Chili Start reminded me when waiting to do a half in a drizzly three degrees, I had used a builder's black rubble sack to keep dry instead of a bin liner. It was so robust I had to enlist help of others to tear it off. You might as well wear a coat at that point. <laughs> Have you ever worn a bin bag before a race? Me, no. I don't, I don't like it. I don't know why. I just don't like it. I, I, to be fair, I haven't done a race where I've needed to because it's either a race where I can stand out, you know, it, it, the weather's nice enough that I can stand out in a t-shirt and shorts or it's a smaller race where you can just throw your bag in the back of the car at the last minute. So if I've never... three had... degrees, you just, stay in, you just stay at home. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But I'm not standing at a mass race in three degrees where you've got to be in your pen 20 minutes early or something. That just ain't happening. So I don't mind three degrees if I'm chucking my bag in the car and then going straight to the start line and starting. So no, but um, if, I, if I were to be in that situation, a builder's black rubble sack, it's probably not... Like I said, you may as well just buy a cheap coat at that point. Yeah, as we've learned, it's not... It's not the way to do things. I don't like either solution. Well, people generally, it's either people wear bin bags and just throw them on the ground, or they have like a jumper on or something, and they then they just like throw that on the ground as well. And I know races that collect these and like wash them and donate them to charity, but I don't know. That still doesn't seem like a good solution. I know either if you don't do either, you just get cold, mm-hmm. which is also a bad solution. So I don't know what what other thing, what other way there is to keep warm. The solution... Because I'm definitely not warming up and running. Absolutely not. The solution is to not do mass races and just do nice little trail races where you can just 
go back to your car. Ah, of course, yeah. Well done. <laughs> uh, it is now time for tea. Ooh. It's that time of the podcast where we bang on about Bird and Blend tea again. And this week, Amy, you'll love this. I had a full-on tea night out. Oh, crazy. I'm very sorry you can make this one. Mm-hmm. Hopefully you will be able to soon. Um, in what is rather dramatically called a lock-in, I spent an hour with Nina, who you may all remember as Nina Nosebug, at a Burden Blend shop in Cardiff to taste about 10 types of Easter and Easter-adjacent teas. I was also given a tea cocktail on arrival and walked out with £10 worth of tea, which when the evening only cost £10, I mean, that's a pretty good deal, isn't it? Yeah, it's very good. I even got another cocktail on the way out, and I feel like she just emptied what was left into a big cup, so I continued being a bit tipsy all the way home, which, for me, is pretty amazing. That actually makes that my biggest night out in two years. It does sound pretty... That that does sound pretty crazy the whole night. It just sounds insane. (laughs) Um, I asked to get a whiff of about eight extra teas as well, which uh, Brett and his lovely branded fan wafted at me, uh, because I was just like, can I just try that one and that one, and I'm done. Oh shit! Actually, no. Sorry, I've I've just seen this other one. I just that one, that one, and that, and then and then then that's what he had a fan. He had a fan where he wafted the tea. Well, oh, <laughs> you'll love a bit of Breck. Um, what he was started doing it because um, they were still open uh, in 2020. Um, they kind of opened up again, and what he did, he got a fan so he could stand a few feet back from customers and give them a little waft. That's amazing. So they didn't have to get because he said, you know, back in the day we were all just like shoving our noses in it, and it was absolutely fine. But obviously, you couldn't get too close. So he'd have a little fan and waft it at them. Bird and Blend picked it up, and now they make their own branded fans. That's that's amazing. That's just... Brett is a true pioneer. That's hilarious. And a runner, so we like him. Oh, is he? Oh, yeah. Uh, I've been trying to convince him to come along to the club. I'm not sure what's going to happen. And I picked up some Vicky's Sponge Cake Tea, which is like black tea with raspberry and vanilla, and Mowgli's Fire Chai, which is a rubos with tropical fruits, chili and chai spices Th- those both sound amazing i think the vicky's sponge cake sounds particularly i'm like into my fruity teas at the moment well like the i know the chai's got fruit in it as well but like the sweeter yeah. sort of less spice yeah that one amazing. that one is very fruity actually mm. i think i prefer a bit blacker so i think i might mix it with a bit of like um black tea as mm. well mm. but it has got like literally whole freeze-dried raspberries in it as well oh my god i, I love that about bird and blend like you can literally see like whole bits of fruit in it which i love so if you like the sound of a Bird and Blend lock-in experience, there are loads of different ones, such as cold brews, chais, matcha, and a few different other ones. And they are in the shops, which are in Brighton, Bristol, Cardiff, Exeter, Glasgow, London, Manchester, Norwich, Nottingham, and Oxford. If you go to runningisbs.com forward slash tea, you can book yours now. Amy, back to running. What was your bullshit? Uh, just been... Just not not anything sort of super crazy, like going to tea lock-ins or anything like that. You know, just had a quiet few weeks. I've been running though. I've been you can look at my Strava. I've been going out and running. The running has been happening. Um, I'm back to running with Pippin as well because um, I don't remember remember if I mentioned a few podcasts ago, but she was in season, so she wasn't able to run for a good few weeks. Um, but now she's back to normal, and we've been out running again. The only issue with with running with Pippin is that. She's not a morning dog, which sounds really weird, but she hates she hates getting up in the morning. Like as soon as I open my eyes, Finley can see me opening my eyes. Finley the corgi. So he's like up yeah. and he's ready. He's ready for breakfast. Uh, but Pippin, you have to almost drag her out of bed in the morning. And if I, if I was trying to get it, so they've got this routine now where they get up about eight o'clock. So I normally get up before them. And then Pippin will usually be ready to come out of bed about eight o'clock. And even then it's a bit of a struggle to get her out of bed. 
And then by the time she's eaten and stuff, like if we're going for a run together, because then by that time I need something to eat. I can't just go out on an empty stomach at that yeah. time. So it's about 10 a.m. by the time we get out. And ideally, I'd love oh. to be like out and running at half six in the morning. But there is no way. I tried it once with Pippin and I was trying to coax her out with treats. And she just took the treats and ran straight back into bed. <laughs> and I felt so bad that I just left her in the end. So, yeah, when I run with Pippin, we normally go out about 10 a.m. There's some pluses to that. Like in the winter, it's it's lighter, it's a bit warmer and so on. Um but one of the main downsides, and this is particularly during like Easter holidays like we're in now and when the weather's warmer, is that if you go out around 10 a.m., there's just people out. Oh, there's just no. people going on walks and stuff and taking their snotty kids and barky dogs with them and just out and about milling around. You know, I mentioned a few podcasts ago, like, I don't like I don't like people on my on my roots. Um but th- actually you know what's gonna be awful for that? You yeah. say at the Easter holidays, Easter Monday. Oh, don't even get me Easter started. Sunday, Easter Monday, families all of a sudden decide to go for a walk together. You know what? I'm going to... You know what? Actually, I went out yesterday for a run and I went for quite... Like, I went like seven miles with Pippin, like an out and back. And there was hardly anyone around. I was really surprised, but it was overcast. So I thought maybe that's why. But anyway, mm. uh, yeah, I'm going to try and get up early tomorrow. I leave Pippin at home because we're recording this on... Uh, is it Sunday? Easter Sunday today? Something like that. Something like yeah. that. Um, so our Easter special we haven't mentioned yeah, until just now. Yeah. So anyway, when you go out, the thing is, when you go out running with a dog, is that being with a dog just invites other dog owners to talk to you and random people, mainly other dog owners. Mm. Now, when I'm at the park with my dogs, I don't mind that. I love having a good chat. I love dogs as well. I love chatting about their dog. I love stroking their dog, whatever, chatting to them. When I'm out on a run... I don't need it. I don't want it. I don't want to talk to people. I don't want to talk to people about my dog. And the thing is, I did this route on, I think it was Friday, and it was six miles around Cardiff Bay in the sunshine. Can you imagine? There was lots of people out, lots of people out walking their dogs. And I swear to God, by the end of that run, I was just like so overwhelmed because I was constantly being stopped and spoken to and like just people talking to me and I've got my headphones in I've got every you know but because you have the dogs they're like stopping and I have to like smile and go oh yeah because oh she's lovely like, yeah you're just lovely I'm just like but I can't I can't believe people do that while you're running oh people do people do yeah I That's think it's crazy. partly me because when people look I, I smile and I should just keep because like, you're so approachable you know what I, I must be I feel like I'm not but at the same time I get so many randomers talking to me you know and they've got like oh look at that little boy and his dog oh, oh <laughs> <laughs> Look at that sweet little urchin running with his little dog. <laughs> little chimney sweep. Uh, <laughs> I think it must be me. I think I just need to put more like resting bitch face on, be less like approachable, more like scowly. Keep, you know, I've got my headphones on, but that's obviously not enough to deter people and stuff like that. It's just, I don't know if anyone else gets this when they're running with their dog. But it's just, it's just too much. It's just way too much, you know? Like, I got to the end of that run and I was like, you know what, I need to go lie down for a minute because I've done more socialising on that hour-long run than I have done in the last three years. So, you know? So, yeah, that's uh, that's my bullshit this week is um, people talking to you when you're running when you don't really want to be spoken to. <laughs> I've got more of your bullshit for this week. Uh, Amy, since, since when did you get big? I got big. I got... <laughs> if anyone hasn't seen amy's instagram <laughs> my instagram is private so you might have to drop me a follow but i, I accept most follow requests oh, yeah. so yeah yeah i've been going to the gym as well i didn't think i'd mention that but i've been amy had a little flex on instagram I did. there i did a flex flex yep yep exactly you know what i was Fucking in the hell. i was in the gym on the other day <laughs> and um because i'm a runner like i already have my legs are already like quite really like like most of the runs like, mm-hmm. like toned you know so 
I haven't really, like, I do, like, squats and stuff, but the main thing is running. I was in the gym the other day, and it was, like, it was, like, Good Friday or something, so there weren't many people there. There was just three other guys, and, like, two of them were doing leg day, and they had, like, these little scrawny... I know I didn't judge people in the gym, but I was in there, and my shorts, like, mate, my legs are way bigger than yours, like... <laughs> like, just flexing in the mirror, like, yeah, whatever. Like, you might be able to, like... You, you might be able to squat more than me, which most people can. I don't squat heavy. I don't deadlift heavy. I'm, I'm fairly weak. Uh, but, mate, look at my legs. Look, look at good. my legs. <laughs> so, you know when people say they don't like going to the gym because they don't want to be judged for being small? That's <laughs> people like you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's me going like, ah, look at my legs. <laughs> no, I swear, when I went to the gym, I mean, it was a long time ago, when I went regularly and when I did, like, lift heavier things, I swear I didn't change at all. I, I so. guess I probably must have done a bit. But I don't feel like I could ever do any kind of flex photo like you did. Yeah. I mean, that was... Well, I think it's more like, you know, it's my arms because obviously women carry their like muscle more and stuff in their legs, which is why my legs are mm. better than most of the men at the gym because yeah. it's harder for men to build muscle in their legs. Um, so I think it's more noticeable in my arms just because women tend to have smaller arms. It's harder. And like yeah. I said, I, like I'm, I'm not that strong actually. Like there are guys and this is why I feel like I can take the piss because they're so much stronger than me. So it's, yeah. it's definitely punching up. Like they, they lift so much more than me. But I am, I have that little thing where I'm like, yeah, I'm, I've got better legs than you, bro. <laughs> Come at me, bro. Come at me and my legs. I'm not sure if that was my bullshit or your bullshit. But... <laughs> is everyone's bullshit now? Everyone's got to deal with it. It is. <laughs> Stuart, what have you been up to? Well, Amy, I had a lovely holiday in Shropshire. Ooh. Who knew Shropshire was lovely? Now, I apologise to anyone that lives like in and around Shropshire and knows all about the Shropshire Hills. But, you know, I've never heard anyone say, you know what you should do? Shropshire Hills. You know what? They're fucking brilliant. As a place, if you like running and walking on hills, it's a beautiful place. I had no idea. I think we just picked it off the map because we were just looking at, you know, the green blobs on the maps that are national parks or areas of outstanding natural beauty. And we thought, oh, we haven't been to that one. We'll go up there for a few days and see what's there. Turns out it's bloody brilliant. It did look very Really nice. enjoyed it. I can definitely recommend Shropshire Hill, especially around Church Stren. Loads of lovely, amazing hills. Um, there's one in particular we did called Ragleth Hill, which on the day we did it, um, the winds were fairly solid at around 50 miles an hour with higher gusts than that. And turns out that might have been a little bit of a mistake because that's actually quite terrifying running over a massive hill with wind coming on the side trying to blow you over the edge like, it's a big wide kind of flat hill at the top at least so it's not as if we we're going to fall down a, a cliff or anything but with poor little william on the front of the uh, harness pulling me up this hill it's like a proper nasty climb on the way up and he you know i was being pulled a little bit but i had to hold him on quite a short lead because he was being properly blown by the wind he'd take a few steps and like stagger to the side and i'd like pull him up but he didn't you know he wasn't scared he wasn't fussed he just kept pulling away i was looking back at holly then and she was literally crawling up the hill <laughs> and a couple of times i kind of waited and i turned back and said are you definitely okay to carry on she's like yeah this is brilliant <laughs> like, well okay fine i found uh, what, what she enjoys apparently <laughs> But that was pretty terrifying. We managed to, we got to the top and kind of hid behind a rock for a little bit just to catch our breath out of the wind. And we had to like then carry on. But yeah, it's really scary. I don't think I've really run in high wind like that on such an exposed place. And one thing that really got me was my, the wind was coming from the left. And so quite often my left foot would then slam into my right leg and I ended up really scratching the inside of my right leg because my foot was being blown into it so much. God. But trying to do that, yeah, so trying not to be blown over and being pulled with William and running downhill, it got very complicated. Mm, I can imagine. But yeah, absolutely beautiful. Really, really enjoyed it, though. 
Um, so yeah, that's my big recommendation. Not sponsored by the Shropshire Hills Tourist Board yet, but I imagine it's only a matter of time. If, if you mention us to them, that'd be really great. Yeah, just like Bird and Blender, we'll get a cut every time somebody goes to the Shropshire Hills. Yeah, there'll be. We'll have a whole new segment yeah. called the Shropshire Hills Watch. <laughs> Something I don't know. We'll work on it. We'll work on it. We'll we'll workshop it. Don't worry. Um, and I've also just this morning I've run the Penrith Pilgrimage Way again. That's the one that me and Amy did last year and set a group FKT for. No big deal. Um, I did just do it like two hours quicker than we did it, so that was that was nice. It was a, a shorter morning this time at least. <laughs> A beautiful day for it and actually I, I knocked about a kilometer off the route because I knew where to go this time so I didn't get lost about three times like we did before and the hill at the end fuck me you know how people say they forget the pain of childbirth mm. I think it was similar to that mm. I knew it was bad I didn't know how bad and I just it's horrendous. I just made it into a I just made it into a, um, a Strava segment and it's about a 200 meter climb in 1.2k uh and it's it's it was awful. It's just so relentless. Like at two points, you cross a road, and that's as much flat as you get mm. in all of that. It was just absolutely horrible. But on the whole route, um, I did really enjoy. I got to use my poles again. I've not used my poles in ages. I've got an ultra in three weeks. Haven't used poles in six months, so my shoulders are going to ache tomorrow. But I think uh, I should probably try and use them mm. a couple of times between now and then, because I haven't got like massive shoulders like Amy. So. <laughs> I need to gym. I need to work on it a little bit so I'm not too ruined for that. I really want to try that route again. Like I'd really like to do that route as part of my ultra training, which isn't till like September, but like at some point. But I feel like I will get lost. Could, could you just remember it, or were you doing your like um, Garmin again? I I did remember most of it, but I had it on a watch as well, and there's it's a little bit of signposted now as well. Okay. They've been working on it over the last year. Because it's a pretty confusing route, isn't it? To be fair, like even like yeah, I places, am, I'm terrible weird. at navigation, so this is not the best thing for me. But I do really want to have another go at it. Yeah, I feel like you remember pretty much most of it. Um, I did have a chat to a farmer at one point, random as you do when you run up into the valleys because um, he was just saying yeah they've come and they've marked it a bit better I said yeah there's a bit up in that field where we got really lost because mm. there's just a signpost in the middle of a hill and it doesn't really point you in the right direction mm. and then you have to go through a gate that isn't marked and then right down through like where the sheep um, have all their food and everything it just feels wrong to be there mm. but it's just most gates are marked and then this one isn't and it just feel I was saying to him it just feels really wrong to go over or through a gate sometimes that you don't think you're supposed to yeah I remember that one with all the sheep gathered around it and I got to sh- a stroke yeah. one on the head oh you know, that was the me. highlight for me that's when I look back at it that's what I remember is stroking <laughs> stroking a sheep so <laughs> the sheep probably still remembers it as well and were there many people on the route because of course today is Easter Sunday yeah, a bad coincidence for me, purely just because it's three weeks out from my ultra. Um, I didn't see anyone else oh. on the route. So I, I know there was a big thing. I think a lot of people did it on Good Friday, apparently. Uh, yeah, I'm, pro- <laughs> I'm glad I didn't run into them. I have no, I'm not um, a Christian, so I have no idea what people are supposed to do on which days, but maybe Good Friday is like a day where you're supposed to do that sort of thing. And Easter, yeah, Easter, Easter he, Sunday, probably not. He comes back alive on Easter, doesn't he? I don't Comes know. out the cave or something. And Easter Monday went to the sales. Yeah. <laughs> You know what? Um, my mum used to think when she was younger that Jesus was born on Christmas and died at Easter in the same year. And I said, wow. I said, how how do you think he got all that stuff done? And she was just like, well, he's just magic, isn't he? Just is Jesus. Yeah, They're not true. aging thirty years over the space of four months, though, is it? <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair enough. Um, speaking of random farmers on uh, runs as well, um, Holly just went to Keradigion for a couple of days and she went for a run there. And she says it happens quite often there. She's like one place she's running up a country lane up a hill 
And Farmer will pull up alongside and say, basically, like, are you right there? Do you need a lift? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, like, she says, it's not in a creepy way yeah. at all. It's it's genuinely, they're like, oh, you must be trying to get somewhere. Do you want do you want a lift? And she's like, no, no, I'm running. They're like, oh, all right, okay then. But she just happens, like, it happened to her twice this time. Yeah. And it happens, like, all the time when she's lived there. It's just really strange. Yeah, I've, I've had a couple of times in the valleys, actually, where I've been running in fields with, like, a public right-of-way through, and the farmer's pulled up and been like, yeah. not offered me a lift, but been like, you're right. Like, <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, feeling like I've done something wrong. Just and just <laughs> going for a run. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And surely they, you know, it's not like it's a really low population around there. They must see other people running. But I always feel like I'm, I'm doing something wrong. <laughs> yeah, they just they just don't get it. No, no. Uh, anyway, we finally bagged ourselves a guest. Yes. And if you want to know who would speak to us about running naked, well, Lee would. Well, we put it out there, and luckily for us, someone who's used to putting it out there got in touch to bear it all about the world of naked running. I'm so sorry already. Um, Lee Wood, welcome to the podcast. Hello, welcome, thank you. There's me saying it's not a gimmicky interview, and then yeah. it's an introduction like that. Couldn't yeah. help myself. And then you put my surname out there, which which adds to the gimmicky side of it, sort of putting it out there. <laughs> Good point, yes. <laughs> Excellent. Um, okay, Lee, first of all, uh, let's do the basics, what we always start with. and um, Tell us a little bit about yourself and your running background. I got into running about 10 years ago. Been a cyclist before that, been a cyclist all my life. Um, I'm guessing from the faces that's not a good thing that I've been mm. a cyclist all my life. Mm. Um, I briefly dated a triathlete, which was a disaster. <laughs> um, but she got me into running. So I think I lasted with her for about six months, but mm -hmm. the running has sort of lasted a lot longer. And I'm your typical middle-aged runner, to be honest, that park run, marathons, half marathons, and fairly average. Mm -hmm. And then some naked running on the side. <laughs> of course, that is the main thing we want to talk about. Um, we put it out to our followers. And really, I think we just have to go straight in with the main question, which is, why so many people just straight <laughs> I mean, let's just get straight to it what is it all about why did you get into it why not that that's surely that's the fair question um i got into it through naked cycling obviously mm -hmm. um there's a massive naked bike ride in london every year they're, they're all around the world and i've done that with one of my mates and as a result of that, I get linked into a lot of naked things. Um, mm -hmm. So when the Naturist Foundation run was sort of on social media a few years ago, loads of my mates tagging me and forwarding it to me and saying, you should do this. And I said to my partner, who's also game for anything like this, let's do it. And we did. We signed up and we've done it a couple of times. We'll be doing it again next month. And it's just great fun. It, it really, it's unlike any other race, obviously, that you, you will ever do. I, I've got to ask a bit of like a, a serious question. So with the, the first time you did your naked cycling or even like your naked running, but I'm assuming more the naked cycling for the first time, was it really scary? Because what we hear from a lot of our listeners, you know, is feeling self-conscious when they're running. It can stop a lot of people running. So I can imagine running naked is even more terrifying. Do you just have to be the sort of person that doesn't care or or do you just sort of just have to go, you know, I'm a bit scared, but I'm just going to go for it. Like, how did it feel the first time doing the, that? The first time I did the naked bike ride, I wasn't going to do it. 
Mm. And I'd gone along. One of my mates had come down to London to do it, and I'd ridden over to meet him. And then it just looked so fun and so liberating. I was like, oh, I've got to add me a bit of this. So literally, as the ride set off, I whipped my kit off and, and sort of followed the ride. And it was just incredibly liberating. I'm massively vocal about body positivity mm-hmm. and things like that anyway. Um, I like being at spas and places like that. And so it's not an alien world to me. Doing the run was really weird because obviously it's a totally alien environment. But it's actually it's really empowering because there's so much body positivity there. There's there's all shapes and sizes. There's all ages. And the realisation that nobody is judging you is is incredibly liberating, to be honest. And it takes uh, I mean, my partner has said that it's given her so much more confidence. She'd never done anything like this before she met me. And the whole going along and being involved in something like that and realising that nobody's judging you, nobody's giving you a second glance and, and nobody really cares is just really empowering. It's just taking that leap to actually go along and do it. It's quite a different atmosphere, I understand, because usually the naked bike rides are in public and like through town, but yeah. the running events are generally private, aren't they? Yeah, there's only the one that I know of in England, which is at a site in Kent, mm-hmm. and it's a private site. Pretty much everybody on the site is naked all the time. And then you get about 150 runners turn up and from the off, from sort of in the car park, that's it, you're naked. And it's a very different, it's a very strange environment. It's a very private environment. There's, you're not going to come across anybody because it's all on private land, unlike the bike ride where there is an element of shock because you're riding through mm. the central London. There's none of that with it. It's all on a private site. Um, and I don't think you see, I think there might be one road that briefly overlooks part of the course, but that's it. So nobody's going to see you and suddenly be sort of shocked to see uh, a load of middle-aged naked men running through the woods. <laughs> and are people completely naked or do people tend to wear shoes or is there a mixture of the two? Is shoes. there a lot of barefoot running? <laughs> uh, there, there are some barefoot runners that mm. do it completely naked. The pure nakeds. <laughs> yeah, that, that seems a little bit too hardcore. Yeah. Women are allowed to wear sports bras if they want to. Not that that many do, but anybody else that's running it, yeah, completely naked. Because that's a, another question that a lot of people have asked. I think especially for the women, they I think they worry about the fact you can't wear a sports bra, which means I guess for a lot of women, they won't be able to run too quickly because they need to stay in control. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this is fairly similar for the men. Again, people have asked and, you know, let's not dance around it. How do you deal with the flapping? According to my partner, mm-hmm. there is a technique to running without a sports bra. Ah. I'm not going to comment any more on that. Okay. But she's adamant there is a technique and that once you get into a rhythm, it's okay. To be honest, <laughs> the flapping, <laughs> I, I, I'm lost for words. I don't know. Is it just not a big deal? Is it just something that people might worry about and actually it's not something you've ever really thought about? Yeah, I mean, it's not. I mean, it's something you think about, obviously, but it's much... <laughs> once you've started running, I'll be honest, I'm more concerned about falling over or something like that, which is a really daft worry. But there's a couple of course, corners on it that are quite gravelly that if it was parkrun or something like that, I wouldn't think anything of. Hmm. But I'm I'm more concerned when I'm running that I'm going to slide out and, and be naked and hurt myself because of that than I've ever thought about flappage being an issue. <laughs> I guess because we like as runners, especially women, we're like 
holding everything down, holding everything yeah. in, all of that, you think, well, yeah, how would I cope without all of that? So that must be another, like, really liberating aspect of it, especially, like, you know, as a woman, you're putting on these awful sports bras that are so constraining to go out and run and incredibly uncomfortable, you know? Yeah, it, it's quite nice to rack up to an event and literally have no kit with you other than trainers and a watch, yeah. and that's it. That's nice. Yeah, you're, I think I, I had to scroll back through your Instagram and saw one of your flat lays, which was just, you know, trainers and a watch. <laughs> and that makes things a lot simpler. <laughs> your prep is much easier. Yeah. And we'll have more from Lee later on. If you're desperate to support this podcast but don't like tea for some reason, you can head to patreon.com forward slash running is bullshit and figuratively empty your wallet at us every month. It helps send to races and do more running bullshit for you to enjoy. And it's my turn this week. And when I was looking up musicals to sing to this week, I ended up, as it turns out, with one of my favourite swing covers, which perhaps might send me down yet another new theme. Hmm. This week, thanks very much to... Victoria Dick Matt Garner, Max McCarty, Nikki Genders Tim Hughes, Maria Wicks, Lisa Gibbon Matt Jones, Victoria Madlise, James Lampard, Ridge Scum Adam Pope, Gabby Thomas, Naya Paul Hibbert Charlie Neverson, Ivor Hewitt, Matt Newbury, Cassie Jones, Elizabeth Chaban, Neil Tenton, Jonathan Carter, Amanda E. Hernandez, Anthony Howe, Kath Everard, Carl Fleming, Edith Line, H. Kirk Shepard, Ruth K.P., Matthew War, Karen Blake, Bernadette McCarthy, Debbie Hurley. David Irwin, Sherry Grubbs, Kel Ryder, Sophie Jakes, Drew Roberts, Victoria Magnus, J. Ian Thompson, Ian Hales, Matt H. Rachel Bentley, Shambolic Adult, Martin Kaplan, Colin Hills, and Wally Hugh Phillips, Clark Gilmore, Karen Hamilton, Julia Page, and Martin Claire, Dina Penny Simpson, Amanda Murray, Heinz Steph, Paul, Matt Caffin. Gail Seal, Dave Sinclair, Gordy Thelwell, Angela Foster, Swales, Brian Simpson, Jason Spinks. I mean, it's good, but it's like painful at the same time, you know? Wow. <laughs> I, I don't know whether the key's quite right, you know? <laughs> what the... Amy, genders, I'm appalled by you. The, only... the shit I could have said about you over the years. <laughs> The shit you have said about me. This is the only time. I've been very not. Uh, to be fair, I've been very generous. <laughs> to, and to be fair, yours are normally like A plus. So I'm glad this week I've got something to sort of criticise. Fucking hell! <laughs> it was it was fantastic. It was amazing. It was a musical masterpiece. The best ever, Amanda E. Hernandez. It, to be fair, yes, best ever, Amanda E. Hernandez. Best ever rendition of Nails on a Chalkboard I've ever heard. I'm staggered. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm struggling to carry on now. Anyway, 
Don't forget to get in touch with your running bullshit on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Just search Running is BS and let us know why you particularly hate running this week. Uh, this week, you'll be excited to know we've had a message from my mum, hey. who's finally figured out how to listen to podcasts. <laughs> it says, so, mum here, I did listen to most of your podcasts. Most. <laughs> most. <laughs> and how did William feel? Did he carb load or drink too much? Did he ache after or complain? Just asking. Um... Yeah, William feels fine. He always does. He did not carb load because he doesn't eat carbs, really. He just eats meat. And did he drink too much? Uh, that is often quite a problem with him, to be fair. He likes to just stand in a river and just bite it mm. like a real weirdo. But I don't think he did on this uh, occasion. Uh, didn't ache, didn't complain, just has a great time and then snoozes. Is this, uh, is this after your race? Is this after your race a couple of weeks ago? Yeah, he just... He, yeah, he. I don't think he ever aches or complains. He just... Um, Gets very tired and lays down and then snoozes for the most of the day. It's a good life he has. Mm. Um, just before we started recording, we got a lovely photo from Nicola Forward, who just ran 100 miles for some reason. And she has a blister on the side of her big toe, which looks almost the size of another toe. Ugh. And she said this was 90 miles in. I mean, at this point, Nicola, we'd rather you just send us a picture of your ass instead. I mean, that's what people do now, apparently. Yeah, yeah, because I'm getting sick of these feet pictures. I really am. I mean, usefully, on the photo she sent, she's put four arrows pointing at it. And, like, I don't think we're going to miss it. No, no, it's very obvious, thank you. And did did you burst it? Did you have to do a little pinprick or...? Ah, oh, presumably there would have to be some kind of bursting. I'm so glad I don't get blisters. <laughs> I'm so glad I don't do 100-mile races. <laughs> Oh, God. Anyway, moving swiftly on, Rachel Bentley yeah. has been in touch saying, running round in circles, bracket 16 laps, in strong winds, whilst the boys play football is BS. Just to clarify, boys not BS, the laps and strong winds are. And then she sent us a lovely picture of her pointing at the boys playing football while she scowls. Oh, 16 laps. I can't imagine anything worse. I mean, that's what you get for having children, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Just leave them. They're fine. They're fine. I'm sure they're... Your own fault. Just, just leave them and go on a long trail run. They'll be, they'll find their way home. Just get long pieces. No, crumbs. That's what it was. Like a bits of crumbs Crumb, all the way yeah. home. And then they know where to go. Just drop them out of your pockets as you're walking to the football field. And then you'll go out for your run. They'll sort themselves out. They can get back. Don't worry about it. They need to learn survival skills at some point. Yeah, exactly, exactly. They're probably old enough. Yeah, don't worry about it. Just leave them. Uh, I am Matman said listening to the latest bullshit while on holiday and running across gloriously muddy farmland I swear I took half the field back to the cottage with me on the bottom of my shoes any tips on how to avoid this in future or is it just a fact of rural running stay at home and have a cup of tea yeah it's either just do shit runs on roads or just go through a stream have a nice little wade through a river at the end clean them off nicely yeah to be fair that's what I usually do just put my whole feet in the river wash them off at Shambolic Adult has been in touch to say, just had a flashback to the dark miles yesterday. <laughs> hmm. Apologies to the pal who got the voicemail, which seemed very urgent at the time, and the handful of fellow runners who overheard. So apparently this voicemail said, I think I might be going to die. If I die doing this, can you go to my place and get rid of the shoebox of sex stuff from the drawer under <laughs> the bed before anyone has to clear the place out properly? <laughs> The fear was very real in that moment. Kept running through. I figured if I dropped down anywhere on the route, help would quickly arrive. But stopping at a first aid point, which I did consider, would fuck my time if it turned out I wasn't actually dying. Logic felt entirely sound. I, 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 the sex toy box under the bed aside, like, what was happening? <laughs> I don't know. I think it was just, I think this was a marathon. Oh, okay. <laughs> 
And I think, yeah, as you said, you just go to dark places yeah. during those kind of times. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> but I think if you do have a shoebox of sex stuff that you want to get rid of, I think you need to have a friend or a few friends. You need to let them know about this kind of thing in advance. So if anything does happen, they can get to your house first. Yeah. Kind of like a will, but I don't know, like a sex toy will. Well, it's pre-will. <laughs> pre-will. You, know, you, you, don't want it to get, you don't want it to get to that point. That's like immediate. <laughs> that's the first thing you do. Definitely. If you if you hear the bad news, straight to my house, please, yeah. before my parents get there. Smash the computer up. But I just like, if if I just fall over, someone will help me, but I'm not going to stop at first aid just in case I'm not actually that bad. <laughs> to be fair, yeah. I, I remember doing, when I did the Vogum last year, or the, was it last year? Probably last year or the year before, whenever it was. Um, but yeah, like, I was crying and on the phone by halfway through, you know, and you, your head just goes to all sorts of places. And at the last aid station, which was only sort of, I think it was like seven miles away from the end, I was like, has anyone like dropped out at this point? And they're like, no, keep running. But I, I, I you know, you feel like, should I drop out? Shouldn't I? And you think you'd know in that situation, but you don't because your head is just completely like out of it isn't it and also you're like i know i can finish it yeah but do i really want to how badly am i going to destroy myself at this point yeah. <laughs> uh, we've had an email it says hi Stuart and amy i think race briefings are bullshit a couple of weeks ago i did a cross-country race that will stick in my memory for a long time we were all ushered up to the start line with a few dashing off to the bushes for a last minute pee classic Although the organiser had a megaphone or some sort of PA, it was such bad quality, it sounded like the Swedish chef from The Muppet Show. Runners aren't the best at listening, but very quickly everyone switched off as there was no chance of understanding anything and chatted away. Cue a sudden whistle, and we all thought that was the start and bolted off across the field. A few confused seconds later, people realised there was a problem, stopped, went back to the start. The whistle was, in fact, to signify the start of a minute's silence. <laughs> <laughs> not sure if someone had died or if it was for Ukraine or what, but not quite the quiet, dignified reflection the organisers had intended. Oops. Keep up the great BS, Andy Nichols. I mean, if you're going to have a minute's silence, don't start it with a whistle at the race. I think you just need to make it very, very clear it's going to happen. Yeah, yeah. Like send out. And, and way knows. before. Yeah. Because, again, runners do not listen before a race. No. They probably can't hear you anyway. Oh, I think I'm sure I've said before, but the, my favourite ever one was the um, the mayor of Newport starting a race, and he said, "Well, my wife's a runner, and she tells me that no one listens to these things. So if everyone's ready, go!" I'm like, <laughs> "Yes, you get it." Yeah, I don't. I don't think you're going to get a minute silence unless you're doing it on whenever Remembrance Day is. You know, yeah, at that time. You're, you're probably not going to get it because being able to communicate that, being able to tell people, like, it's a lovely idea, but I don't think it's going to happen at an event like that. Yeah, and it also is one of those things that, like, even a, a minute can feel like a really long time yeah. when you're standing ready for the start of a race. I think a lot of places now, they just have, like, a moment's mm. silence, or they have, like, 15, 20 seconds, which I think is a better way to do it, it probably. It gives you a bit longer to, like, rip off your builder's rubble bag, though, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I, actually, I like when other places, and especially, like, they do this in football, they have a minute's applause. Yeah. And you see why 30 seconds in, everyone's like, fucking hell, this is a <laughs> <Yeah>. long time. <laughs> Just to applaud, because it starts off pretty well, yeah. and you can hear after about 30 seconds, everyone's like, Jesus you got to pace yourself. God. You can't go it's all out. It's a long time to applaud. Yeah, you can't go all out on the minute applause. you go like, really pace yourself. So, back to our guest, and let's speak to Lee again about why you should get your kit off and go for a run. Yeah, another question uh, people have been asking about is chafing. Now, I, I would kind of think that chafing is more of an issue with material, but is there a more of an issue with that running naked i'm lucky because i've never chafed 
other than very occasionally in a marathon, Whoa. I've never had caving issues with kit. Um, but yes, there has. It's not a massive issue, but because you haven't got any kit to soak up the sweat, mm. then yeah, even after five k, there was. I wouldn't go as far as say chafing, but there is definitely a little bit around the walls because it's like there's nothing yeah. to soak up. <laughs> yeah, and because you're not kind of being kept kept in. Yeah. It were usual, yeah. I guess. Also, thighs and upper arms as well is, is kind of a usual rubbing area as well, isn't it, for a lot of people? Yeah. Um, but I've luckily, touch wood, I've I've never had an issue <laughs> issue with it. Um, but you, yeah, you do notice it. As I say, the balls are a little bit afterwards. It's like that. Wasn't expecting that. <laughs> I was going to say, don't don't say touch wood. <laughs> Not in this context. Come on. <laughs> So um, we've had a question, another question from some of our listeners. Jen Harding and uh, Catherine Fenton asked, how many, how do you pin your number on? It's lipstick and it's painted on. Oh, so okay. it's on, on your chest and on your arm. Um, unfortunately for them, they do it on the, I think it's the right arm and the left chest, which is, for me, I'm covered in tattoos in those places. Yeah. So they, they find it quite difficult. But yeah, it's done with lipstick and effectively painted on you. Lipstick is an interesting solution. I assume it comes off either than, you know, probably not, pen, yeah. not my area. I'm, I'm not sure if you've listened to enough to hear the legend of Pin Skin Man, who's a. I'm a aware of Pin Skin Man. Uh, yeah. He'd be right at home because <laughs> yeah. he's only wearing a little pair of shorts anyway. Yeah, that's just. Oh, no. So. <laughs> if anyone turns up with that on, they've gone a bit too extreme. <laughs> yeah, I'm just. Oh, the idea of pins, no. Ooh, yeah. Um, so how many of these races have you done you said you've done a couple and you've got another one planned did one before lockdown one after lockdown and then the next one will be next month um, may the 21st or 22nd okay so how do you get into these races with difficulty um they're not the easiest to enter there's as well as entering the race um you have to apply for membership or form of membership for the nature site that it's on um, and certainly I don't know whether it was because I was applying as a man because I don't recall my partner getting the same questions but I got a full questionnaire about what your experience is with naturism whether this is something that you've done before and and similar questions to that and they approve that as a yes or a no for membership before you're allowed to enter the race uh, ah okay that's interesting so it's not just a case if you can sign up and anyone can just turn up there is there is a little bit of procedure to go through, which I guess yeah. makes sense. As we said in the last episode, I'm sure they do have to be quite protective of their reputation so they don't get taken advantage of. Yeah. And they have a lot of different events on there throughout the year, not just things like this. Um, but they're basically, there are race pictures available, mm-hmm. um, but they get emailed out to you specifically and you yeah. have a wristband on to say whether you're happy to, with pictures or not. And I think their fear is, it's obviously a journalist turns up and yes, you're naked, but it would be easy to take some stealth photos and that, that gets leaked somewhere. So they are quite protective of it um, in a good way, because obviously, mm. I mean, obviously I've, I've mentioned naked cycling. So it sounds a little bit hypocritical that I'll ride through the centre of London in a crowd of a thousand people. But that's very different to a picture of me naked running, appearing somewhere on the Internet that I don't have control of. And, and haven't censored suitably. 
I, I imagine with running you feel a bit more exposed because I imagine on a bike you've sort of got the bike as well and you know running yeah. it's just you <laughs> yeah you're you're completely you're not going to take a picture that isn't you're not you're completely exposed in every mm. picture that appears mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah my, my favorite ever running picture is one from the race because it, it looks like it's me being chased by three naked pensioners <laughs> <laughs> Um, so other than being chased by uh, pensioners what what surprised you about it the first time you went along and took part in a race was there anything that really stood out that you didn't expect the level of inclusivity okay but it's i mean it's very much like park run in the fact that you've got your sort of speedy sort of 17 18 minute runners there and then you've got your people walking around in 50 minutes as well as well as the runners that it attracts, it also attracts people that are naturists and a part of the naturist lifestyle. You've got a mixture of people there, but it's just how inclusive it is. And also it's the first time I've ever been to a naturist club and spent several hours there. You know, the, the going into the clubhouse afterwards and having a beer and just standing around naked at the bar, having a beer is just such a strange feeling, but it's actually so empowering because literally nobody cares and people, was so friendly you'd think there may be a sort of us and them sort of divide between the runners that have turned up as tourists effectively and the naturists where it's their lifestyle but actually the opposite is true the naturists want to sort of come and chat and be friendly and it's just it's just incredibly welcoming um i imagine they don't give out t-shirts at the end of these races though (laughs) (laughs) no there's a medal which is a very cheap medal that Mm -hmm. is still a medal um and there's trophies and uh and that's it it would be an awesome t-shirt though <laughs> perhaps they'd take a t-shirt away from you <laughs> um so i think you've kind of spelled it out a little bit there but kind of one of our last questions is just why people should give this a go if this is something that's happening near to them i think you said it's only really in kent but if any if anyone's local to there or sees one somewhere else you think other people should be involved and def- definitely without a doubt um it's so it's so welcoming and it's so fun um and i'd go back to what i said about my partner sort of from a body positivity point of view you aren't going to be in a better environment than that because when literally everything's hanging out you realize that nobody cares nobody's looking um and it's that plus it's it's a really nice place it's actually if it was a park run it's the sort of park run that people would be raving about and recommending Mm. people go and do again because it's actually a really nice route so yeah that'd be my advice and the final question that we ask all our guests is, what is the most bullshit thing about running? It's got to be the humble brag. <laughs> yeah. um, simple as that. The the whole went out for an easy recovery run at a pace that 90% of people would dream of doing a 5K at. And it's just like, oh, fuck off. Do you know mm. what I mean? It's just, yeah, I've got no time for it. So, um, we're all faster than somebody else and we're all slower than somebody else yeah fuck off with the humble brags it really is bullshit <laughs> uh, could i perhaps i can point out earlier then you said oh i'm just an average runner you know just park runs marathons you know <laughs> i would no I, I would argue that that as a there's a very stereotypical middle-aged man that runs and runs marathons in fairly mediocre times there's a lot of us um every bastard's done a marathon now <laughs> 
I recognise that I'm a stereotype there. Uh, well, Lee, thank you so much for enlightening us a little bit more about the world of naked running. No problem. Thank you. Okay. And of course, we should have said you can follow Lee on Instagram at the naked runner with underscores and don't worry it's not all naked so you're absolutely fine <laughs> or disappointed or disappointed and garnish at an inky Anne has messaged in say in a slightly queasy crossover of bum picks and naturist running having done a naked 5k i can categorically state that naked men at the start line doing lunges is very very bs Ooh. ratio of male to female 120 20 uh, so Lee said there was about 150 on the start line, but I guess, perhaps unsurprisingly, a significant amount of those are men. Yeah, I guess women are, you know, women have more body issues than men in the main, so are perhaps a yeah. bit more shy about taking it all off and going for a run. And also, like, you know, more bits that are going to get in the way and wave mm. around. Appar- well, apparently there's a technique. Yes, there is a technique. I was thinking about that, and I was thinking, you know what, that... So many sports bras are shit. I'm sure women who are clothed would love to hear that technique as well. Yeah, we need to have some kind of a demonstration on this, perhaps. <laughs> yeah, or maybe not. <laughs> what I did like about that interview, though, Lee was saying, actually, it seems to be, it would be great for someone with body confidence issues. Mm, yeah. It seems like the ideal environment, because he says, no one gives a shit. Yeah. Um, and it just seems like, actually, that's probably a good place I mean, it's a, you, t- you take some real, I was going to say you take some real balls to do it, but you know what I mean? It's it, it takes a real level of confidence in the first place to actually go and do it, I think. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's the actually going in and doing it. I'm sure it's one of those things that once people are there and you see everyone else, all shapes and sizes, naked, then you'd be like... As long as it's no one that you know. Yeah. that's when it would get <laughs> it's weird. It's the anonymity as well that sort of makes you feel a bit I, better. Yeah, that would be a... I think that in a way they'd be there would have to be some way they could guarantee that. Although to be fair, like I don't recognise running friends if they're not in their running kit. And by oh, that true, I usually so. mean when they're in like other clothes. <laughs> yeah. But it could be the same in this situation. I'm probably not gonna recognise you. <laughs> when you see running friends in a shirt, you're like, Who the hell are you? <laughs> in your civilian clothes. <laughs> Um, and another thing, you know, I really understand why the Naturist Foundation have to be a little secretive and careful and things. But at the same time, and I think we got that, I hope we got that balance right in the interview. You've got to have a little fun with it because it's nakedness and it's funny. Come on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I, I get, you know, there's, there's always that balance because no one wants it to be super serious about any event or anything like that. But I can totally understand why they'd be cautious about people basically making like um like a mockery of it and a spectacle of it. Yeah, I don't yeah. I don't want to take the piss, but I do want to have fun with yeah. it because it is fun. Yeah, exactly. Why would you do it otherwise? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So thank you very much, Lee. It's the bullshit running news. Uh, and again, uh, now our very limited um, section of bullshit running news. Uh, Amy, as it turns out, there is a challenge on the 10k loop in New York Central Park mm. to run it as many times as possible during the opening hours of 6am to the following 1am. This record was set at 16 laps, but that's just been beaten by Oz the Mentalist, a famous magician who finished third on America's Got Talent in 2015. To be fair, he's a decent runner, without the illusions. He's won the New Jersey Marathon four times with a PB of 2.23. I imagine Marathon Investigates was watching him very, very closely mm. during this attempt. Uh, he actually ran 19 laps, so 190k in the 19 hours, which is a hell of a pace mm. to go at. Definitely. 
Uh, he also helped to raise $110,000 for children displaced by war and ran in the Ukrainian colours of yellow and blue. A nice guy as well. Yes, yeah, I, I am like suspicious though. He is a mentalist, you know. He is literally a mentalist. Yeah, they, they're tricksy. They're, they persuade you, don't they? It's not, it's all sleight of hand, but also a bit <laughs> of like persuasion and knowing how to sort of manipulate people oh, I, perhaps he only did a few laps but he's just convinced everyone yeah 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 yeah. and then gorilla did a lap and he's like did you even see the gorilla you see you're not always concentrating Whoa, like, <laughs> of course yeah, you never see the gorilla do you i've done that 10k loop it's very lovely uh, my favorite thing about it is there's cycle lane that goes around the inside as well and it's got its own little traffic lights oh which is very cute. I'm, I'm pretty sure no one ever pays attention to no. them. But there are like little traffic lights that go across the path and across the cycle path as well. He must have had a lot of support out there as well because I can imagine from about 11pm onwards Central Park must get a bit sketchy. You know? <laughs> Maybe that's why he did like the final like seven laps between like midnight and 1am or something. <laughs> <laughs> Just like because he was terrified. Yeah. But yeah, but no one could like steal anything from him because if you if you took his wallet, he'd be able to take it straight back without yeah, even noticing. He'd be robbing you. That's why. That's how he raised the money. <laughs> oh, that's how he raised the money. He he mugged all the muggies. <laughs> anyway, Stuart, what have you got coming up next? Uh, tomorrow, very exciting. On Easter Monday, uh, also the day this is coming out, so you'll hear about it in a couple of weeks' time, um, I'll be doing, well, I won't be doing, Holly will be running with William on a beach mm. with potentially, as we've heard... Uh, last time they did it, they had 200 dogs in a mass start on the beach oh running God. a 3K. That sounds crazy. That sounds completely crazy. It's a massive beach. So I imagine they start really wide, but they've all got, I guess they've all got to turn around at the same point. <laughs> so that could get messy and I cannot wait to watch What it. beach is it? Pembrey. Oh, nice. So yeah, that should be a lot of fun. Other than that, nothing that interesting because I said I'm now tapering for um, my ultra. So nothing that interesting going on, I don't think. Anything for you at all? No. Running before 10 a.m. at any point? Uh, you know what? I want to get back into it. It's really difficult. You know, it's, that's like, the past like two years, three years since the pandemic has been really difficult to get back into the sort of routine of morning runs because everything is You used of, to go really early, Oh, yeah, yeah. You? I used to get up every morning at like between 6, 6.30 and go out for my run. I actually really, really enjoyed it because I didn't need to eat anything so I was up early enough. Like, I was up before anyone, you know, there was only like other runners out there. And now I just find it really hard to get up at that time and just go for a run. I've just got yeah. out of the habit. So, and also, obviously, I can't set like a proper alarm because what I used to sometimes is um, set my phone alarm and put it across the room so I'd have to get up and like turn it off. So then I'd be able to be up. If I did that now, Freya would literally kill me. So I have to set the alarm yeah. on my watch. So I've got one of those watch alarms that vibrates <laughs> on my hand. I just turn it off. I just turn it off and go back to yeah, sleep. I actually, too easy. I actually missed something really important the other day because I set my alarm for it and it was my watch alarm. And because I'm in the habit of just turning it off, I just turn it off and went back to sleep. <laughs> And I was like really Didn't late. Didn't pay any so attention like, to it. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, but I need to get back into it, especially now the summer's coming up because that's the thing I've been noticing the last few days is how hot it seems to be. And I look at the actual temperature, it's not that hot. But no, I, wait, it's going to be above 15 degrees mate, now. So we're yeah, all like, I can't, okay. I can't do heat. So yeah, I need to change that before the actual summer temperatures come or else, I'm, yeah, I'm just, I'm just not going to run. Anyway. <laughs> So early morning starts. I make a pledge on this podcast to go for at least one 6.30 run over the next two weeks. Um, we all know that means nothing. <laughs> it will happen. Amy's podcast pledges. Have you even killed a bear yet? I don't think you have. There's no proof of it yet. I did, I did, but like no one was around to film it. So okay, sure. sometimes you just got to humble yourself and just, uh, and just, just, you know, do these things when the cameras aren't rolling, when the 
the mic's not rolling. You know, all those things. You just got to do it quietly and just do it for yourself. Just stop. You're, you're, you're getting worse. <laughs> if you've enjoyed this bullshit, please visit runningisbs.com to see the show notes and links from this episode and the whole back catalogue, as well as links to our Patreon, merch store, and social medias. Goodbye. Bye. How do you deal with the flapping?